My name is Leander Tomazelli. Um, I'm from Adventist Risk Management. That's the company I work for. How many of you know what we do for the church? How many of you are not quite sure? Good. I like honesty. Good, good, good. We are the insurance company for the church. So not only from an insurance standpoint where we cover the liability claims or the property insurance claims, the auto insurance claims, or maybe you're, you go on a missionary trip, a mission trip, and you want to get short-term travel insurance. You, get it, you, you can get it through us on our website. So we do all the insurance stuff for the church. And we, have, we actually have a video prepared to, to introduce what we are and what we do for the church. It's very short. So we are pretty much the insurance, co the insurance company for the church, right? And it all started when we, the church decided to put some funds together. Uh, it was about $25,000 about 80 years ago, 1936. And after that, we, we kept growing, growing. And we're now, we now insure over um, about $16 billion in assets. So worldwide. So that's, that's the, only reason to, the only reason why we exist is to serve the church. So we, we call ourselves, we're, we're titled a captive insurance company, which is an insurance company with a specific purpose just to insure our clients. So we, let's say if uh, the Baptist church wants insurance and they they ask me, Leander, can you provide me with a quote? I say, nope, sorry, I only work for the church. And that's what we do. So and as a conference, you have the option of going outside to get insurance elsewhere, but we only exist to really serve the church. So if all the conferences decide to get insurance elsewhere, they can, and we would close our business because the, that's, that's what we do. We just serve the church. And we, by doing that, we, created, we create policies that are customized to better serve the church. We understand the church like anyone else, because we are the church. And so the policies reflect that. And we're going to talk about risk management for churches and schools. And before I, I go further, uh, I'm, I'm an account executive. Nancy Sormack is the customer service rep. Um, how many of you know what a certificate of insurance is? Familiar with that term? term? That's what you do when you need, uh, when you're renting, you want to use the, the, the state's gymnasium and they require you to provide a certificate of insurance showing uh, liability insurance. So you request that through the conference, the conference fills out a, 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 a form the form gets submitted to Nancy, and Nancy issues your certificate of insurance. We call it COI, certificate of insurance. So that's, that's our team. That's your team available to you. If you have questions, if you have trouble, you feel free to call me. You have my phone number, you have my cell phone. So, like I said, we don't, we don't see ourselves as a, as a business so much. We are a ministry. We, only, we are here to be a supporting mechanism to the conferences, to the local churches, 
so that you, so that you can do your ministry without any concerns and without having to to think too much about insurance we're, we want to make sure that you are you are properly insured so that can that you can do your ministry uh, freely that that's that's a good question so what what you get is a declaration of benefits like it's a summary of the policy the legal authority of all the properties, of all the churches and schools, is the conference. So the conference is the policy holder. So the policy stays at the conference. And then what you get as a church leadership, you get a statement of values, which shows um, your, your building values, your, your content values, your square footage, your titles, all of the information that you need to operate uh, but when it comes to insurance and the and the policies, you, you the policy stays in the conference. Yeah, and the conference can send you a summary of benefits, can send you a lot of information. But that's the way we are structured. Who image? Uh, Ed Ellis is is your contact person for liability uh, questions, and then Wendy Welch is your person for uh, property related questions and then so let's say if you have a question about billing about property insurance billing you go to Wendy Welch and she can can investigate or, or find out what your uh, what what the situation is for you and the process I just want to reemphasize the process of filing a claim uh, just like you said you get a form from Michigan conference you fill out that form, send it back to Michigan Conference, they submit it to us. What we do when we get that form, we assign an adjuster. An adjuster comes out to your property and we'll, we'll look at the damages that were done, let's say, by hail. Once the adjuster sees the damages, that adjuster write, writes up a report. That report will give us what we need to process payments. Yeah, fair enough. So that's what, what we mean by risk financing. That's the insurance portion of the operation. We come in and we make payments to make your property whole again. All right. Now, we, there are other two parts of our ministry, which is called risk control and the risk identification. They kind of go hand in hand because once you identify the risk, you want to control the risk. You want to create a preve prevention plan that will allow you to minimize the, the potentials of, of an accident taking place. For example, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. I'm trying to see if there's a risk here. You go into a church and then you see cords laying on the floor, all right? That is a risk. Slips, trips, and falls are the most common uh, claim that we get from across the entire division. So by just simply removing the cords from that, uh, from that place, you're going to potentially prevent an injury from taking place. That's an example of, of identifying the risk. You walk into a room and say, okay, this cord... Someone may trip and fall because of this. 
So you, you find ways as a safety officer or as a safety person or a leader at the church to prevent that or create a prevention plan. So that, that applies, and we're going to give you a lot, of, a lot of examples later on as to what things that you can do at the church property on site. Yes? Oh, yeah? No, no emergency signs? That, that's exactly right. I remember you from last year. We, yeah, we, we, we talked about this last year. Yeah, now, now I'm connecting the faces. Yeah. See, that's something else. You're right. Yeah. That, that's, that's the kind of mindset we, we need to have when we go into our churches, especially when if you are an assigned safety officer, that's the, the mentality that, that I recommend you having. Uh, you go into a place and see, well, this activity, uh, there's not enough supervisors here. We have 20 kids running around, just one teacher. We need more people here. So you, you, take, that, you take that into your leadership and, and start making recommendations to, so you can you know, improve your, your quality um, of, your, of your church and of, of your programs. So that's what, that's what the ministry is all about. So identify, control, creating prevention uh, methods, minimize and avoid risks, and then the risk financing. When you actually have an accident and that risk is transferred over to the insurance company. Okay? So the risk management for safety officers are people who are in charge of helping the churches with safety. In uh, 2018, the NAD Risk Management Committee voted the 2018 NAD Risk Management Initiatives. They are the following. Risk Management Committees, having a Risk Management Committee at the conference and at the church level. Pastoral Risk Management Awareness and Education. We are committed to provide resources to the past. Uh, pastoral staff so they can have more understanding uh, of the risk management initiatives and the, and the things that a pastor can do uh, to minimize and prevent risks. Compliance with inspections and surveys, emergency planning, when we talk about uh, uh, the, the safety Sabbath and all that, the, the conversations, like the active shooter uh, drills, the, the fire drills, and practicing those drills at the church is, uh, is what, we, what we're trying to accomplish. And preparing for International Camp Re 2019, we want to make sure that we're going to be ready from an insurance and, and liability standpoint that we have to do everything uh, that we need to do to make sure we're, we're safe for the Camp Re 2019. Oshkosh. Alright, so those are the initiatives. Let's talk about those. Now, I don't want to bore you with this presentation, so I want this to be a conversation. So raise your hand, provide your comment, let's talk. Yes? Where are we okay? I mean, we've got several people that can sign up there. Good, good the question. Toilet, but if they fall off the roof. Great question. I'll, I'll answer that question with a story, okay? We had a situation where Similar thing, it was a tree that was 
broken, something, the tree needed, needed to be cut, removed. The church, instead of hiring a professional company, someone who could handle the job, a volunteer came over and said, Pastor, I got this. I can do this. I have some experience. You know, my, my uncle lets me cut their, their tree once in a while. I can do this for the church. All right, the guy goes up there. He falls. He becomes permanent injured. The church pays out millions of dollars because of that injury. Thank you. <laughs> so that becomes a huge liability on the church. By, by not going through the proper channels, I know, I know from a, a very local church perspective, it's unrealistic at times, but the ideal scenario is when you have a situation where you need professional work done, from an insurance and liability standpoint, always hire a professional company that is insured. That, that's the recommendation. I had one hand here, then we go to you. Yeah, I, I do touch on um, like liability and protection ele elements at the church setting. Let, let me understand a little bit better. What's your role at the school? Or uh, Well, at the, at the church, um, right now we, we provide uh, attempts to provide activities for the youth in our church and for outreach in the community. So right now we have like a volleyball program that takes place on Sunday nights where it's like an open volleyball time. They come to our church school, they don't set up the net, people play volleyball, we have a prayer time. And, and this kind of thing, but it's open to whoever wants to come in uh -huh. to the school and participate. And so, you know, you're open to yeah. like, um, injuries. No, yeah, definitely. Whatever, you know, and right now, you know, it's church aboard fruits activity mm -hmm. for our church, but I'm thinking to reach out even more to the community than what we have with that. Um, yeah, no, we're going to talk about that for sure because. It's, it comes down to church, uh, school safety. Like, are we doing anything, everything that we need to do to provide a safe environment for the outside kids to come in and play? Even the inside kids, when it comes to physical, uh, the physical aspects of a building. So are the building in good condition? And we have a, we have a slide for that, and I want to show you a few pictures too. So just hanging there, we're going to go over that in a little bit. You mentioned you paid out millions of dollars in that last story. Uh -huh. Was that voluntarily or was that as a result of a lawsuit? A lawsuit. A lawsuit. Yeah. I'm not sure if it was a settlement or if, if it was a reward from a lawsuit. It could have been a settlement even before it got to the jury. So I'm not sure on the, on the details, but I know it involved a lot of money and the lesson was clear that by having... Uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's really hard when you, when you take it to, to a personal life. Like I see my personal church back home uh, in Maryland. We use companies, like people from our church, they own and operate a company. So, and, and they come and say, Pastor, I'm going to volunteer my services to the church. And how do you cross the line between... You know, you have to make sure 
If you're a safety officer, you have to ask the proper questions. You have to say, oh, are you licensed and bonded? Are you, do you have insurance? So that's, that's where that, you know, that conversation starts. But we, we have to be proactive in asking the, the, the right questions. Even if it's a volunteer within the church who wants to help, uh, asking the right questions makes a huge difference. Not only to protect the volunteer, but to protect the organization as well. So, in order to have a volunteer, then do they have to be insured? Well, it depends. Um, they no, no, not necessarily. No, let's say you're having a volunteer for a safety, uh, the, for I'm sorry, for a Sabbath school. The volunteer is helping as an assistant teacher for Sabbath school, right? I mean, we 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 have volunteers like that, or kind of. Uh, on on like for example like roof roof roofing jobs or electrical pro, uh, jobs plumbing job those are high risk a little more complex types of, of 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 scenarios that's when you start asking the questions the i i guess the the, the it comes down to how 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 much of a risk are we talking about? And then if you're looking at roofing, let's take roofing for example. If you, if you send a volunteer up in the roof that have no experience, you're exposing your church and the conference and the overall organization, the SDA organization, to a certain uh, degree by placing someone that has no experience in a, in a position that has a high risk. So that's when... Right, and that's where you have to use a judgment call because uh, sometimes that person has 30 years of experience in roofing jobs and they run, maybe they run a company, they, have, they run a business that have insurance license and they, and they have a very well-structured business for roofing. So you, you have to analyze your, the situation and make the best decision. But yeah, did, did, did that answer the question a little bit? More so, more or less. All right. So let's. We have a lot to talk about. So when it comes to safety officers, uh, it's hard to do this by ourselves. If you're if you're at your church and you you need you need to to implement those things that we're talking about and that we will talk about, you're gonna need leadership participation. So you have somehow to get a hold of your pastor and, and, and understand and show the pastor uh, the importance of risk management. And you have to set practical goals, create some accountability with the church and with your team as the safety team of your church. And you have to understand the why, the what, and the who of of this process of implementing prevention strategies to, to your church level. All right, so we're gonna go into that in a bit. So the risk management committees, who should be part of that? This is a, it's a bit complicated, but I don't want this to, to, to seem as complicated. We're looking at a small team of people that can step in, step up and, and, and help with this uh, brainstorming of ideas on how to make our churches safer. So you, you're going to create a timeline of measurable goals, and then some of the items 
on the agenda are uh, the 15 passenger vans, the emergency planning, the inspections and follow-up. We're going to talk about the inspections and follow-up in a little bit, but that involves uh, going around your building, your church building, and identifying the potential hazards. I have a bunch of pictures that I want to show you on how you do that and some simple ways to do that. So the safety committee, you, uh, you meet, you brainstorm, you come up with ideas, measurable goals, and then you start, uh, and, and those people, they can be part of your uh, safety committee, uh, and they should be part of your safety committee so that when you start implementing your uh, initiatives, your strategies, implementing will be a lot easier because you have leadership support. Safety officer. What is the, the responsibility of a safety officer? We have actually come up with a, a full job description in our website for a safety officer. But sometimes I feel like that's an a, a overburden on, on people. But sometimes people really want to take on that, that job of, of being a safety officer. And what the main, the main tasks of and duties of a safety officer is you're going to uh, analyze, for example, the incident response. You have a, a, an accident at the church. An uh, elderly later, lady comes in, trips and falls, and you have an accident. At that point, the safety officer is responsible to document that. Just have a, a form filled out to show, uh, you know, asking the proper questions, making sure you understand, uh, you, you have the person's name, phone number, what the date of the accident, what happened, and the description of the accident. So that's what the, the safety officer does. The self-inspection evaluation, we're going to get to that in a little bit, and should be on the board, uh, safety education, spearhead of the safety committee. So the safety officer is the leader, the person that leads the conversation. The safety committee meetings. So you meet on a regular basis, you record meeting, uh, meet, meeting minutes, uh, record meet, meeting minutes, you formulate an emergency plan. So that, that's huge nowadays. We talk about active shooter situations, we talk about fire emergencies. What are the emergency plans for your church? Formulate a facility inspection program. Uh, that's not complicated. It, it may sound complicated, but you just, uh, we have a, an inspection form. We're gonna show, I'm going to show you in a minute that you can go around your building and checking boxes showing what is, what is a potential problem, what is not a potential, potential problem. And you bring that to your leadership, to your board, for, uh, for changes. All right. Where there is no council, the people fall. But in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs eleven fourteen. Any questions so far? Because we're going to get to the fun part in a little bit. Uh, so the 15 passenger vans... How many of you have heard of this, this speech from the conference or the risk management talking about not to use 15 passenger vans? So this, is, this has been voted by the NAD, North American, American Division, 
Uh, and this is the wording on the, the working policy. 15 passenger venues. In the interest of safety, denominational organizations shall not purchase, lease, rent, or use 15 passenger vans or modif modified 15 passenger vans for sponsored activities under any circumstance. Alternatives to 15 passenger vans include minivans, SUVs, mini school buses, 15 passenger buses with dual rear wheels. We have enough data to tell you that those vans are extremely dangerous for our organization. We have paid out a lot, millions of money, of, of dollars, to, because of claims uh, that arose out of the use of 15 passenger vans, not to mention the lives that we have lost because of, of the 15 passenger vans. And it was within the church, within our group, that um, we, we've lost lives and, and, and had some significant damages because of 15. Uh, uh, it was the vehicle's fault? Yes. Yes, the, the 15 passenger vans. Uh, and it's a, it's, a good, it's a good point because the, the GMs and the Fords, they have a 12 and they have a 15 passenger van. Sometimes they take what a, 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 manu, a manufactured... Uh, 15 passenger vans, they take the last seat out and call it a, t a 12 passenger van. But that doesn't fix the problem. The problem is a vehicle uh, manufacturing problem when it comes to the wheelbase. The wheelbase ratio compared to the vehicle length is unstable. So the rollover probability is a lot higher than other vehicles. That's where the problem lies. So it's a vehicle problem. So stay away from those. And we've been preaching this message for a few years now. And finally, the NAD have, have voted to put that word shall not. Because before, it was only a recommendation. Now it's a, it's a shall not, which kind of makes a statement. So uh, right here, the, the, the numbers. So 90, uh, let's see, so five, 653 occupants were killed, uh, an average of six, uh, 65 per year. And that's only for 15 passenger vans. 44% were ejected, 58% were in rollover crashes. I personally have driven uh, a 15 passenger van full of books. It was just me, passenger, full of books uh, behind us very heavy load, uh, and we, we were, I was driving from Maryland to Massachusetts. I felt how unstable that, and I, and I had no knowledge of this, no knowledge. I never thought I would be working for ARM, and I felt it was hard to control the, the vehicle. So when I, when I started preaching this, I'm like, wow, I remember talking to my friend. You see, it's hard to make a, a turn here. Question. I was a spec out. I own a 15 passenger van. I've hauled lumber from here to Texas with it. Uh -huh. I've hauled people. I've hauled other things, but they can be spec'd out differently, no different than a bus or truck or anything else. So it would depend on how it's spec. This is this is the same attitude that we have towards guns. The guns people are the killers instead of the people, and you're blaming the vehicle. But who spec'd out the vehicle? Because those vehicles spec'd out properly, I would argue, 
are any are any more unsafe than any other vehicle is. Right. But it has to be spec'd out properly. What do you mean by spec'd out? What, what? In other words, it has to have the right, in this case, not rollover protection system, but they have sway bars set up so you put on the front and the rear to deal with that very issue. And there's sizes and dimensions, and then there's also axle ratings for stiffness, suspension, et cetera, et cetera. And if you buy the cheapest thing, the cheapest GVW, you're not going to have yeah. those things. It's well, like, yeah, exactly. I'd be curious to know in these in this information, what was the specs on them? Were those the what you know the cheapest? That cheap didn't have any of this stuff on it. And, and that's what and that's what happens to most of our churches across the entire division is we get donations people because they are cheap and cheerful not not cheerful but because they're cheap they are donated to the to the churches to to pathfinder groups and we we get them as donations and we don't say no because it's it's a donation so we end up not asking the right questions in most cases and just using whatever we get. So they, they do show a, a greater risk than other vents because of the way they are built. And, and there's no way that we can go around checking for all the specs for all the vents. Not to, not to mention that the National Vehicle Administrator, they put out an article uh, on those vehicles, on the 15 passenger vents. Because of, of of their of their risk and and their data, their 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 probability, the rollover probability associated with those uh, with those vehicles. So, all right, let's move forward. Uh, so, managing drivers uh, as as church leaders or in any leadership capacity, sometimes we have to drive uh, select the drivers, and when we do that, we have to make sure they have good driving records, right? No at-fault accidents, uh, less than two citations within the past three years. Uh, must be 21 years or older to have a good reputation for safe driving uh, habits, proper license and registration. And now I want to ask you a question. What is adequate insurance if driving their own vehicle? Let's say you have a parent who wants to drive uh, their kids plus any other kid from the school or from the church on behalf of the church driving to an activity. Are you familiar with the, the, the proper adequate insurance requirement from NAD working policy? No? Any guesses as far as limits, insurance limits? Right. I mean, full coverage is a, is a relative term. Uh, it, it comes down to, to the liability uh, to the third-party liability, and that's where that's where the 100-300 comes comes in because full coverage. So you're talking about liability, not necessarily the No, no, not necessarily, and because the, the the property damage is the the last number on the on the 100-300, and sometimes it's like a hundred, the, the last number. So the the liability is actually uh, the first and the second, the bodily injury, bodily injury and the uninsured, underinsured motorist. So you're looking at having 100 and 300 as being the minimum for, to cover that first layer of, of liability insurance. Now, we've had situations where 
uh, that limit exhausts. Okay, so what happens after that? So you're driving a kid or whoever to an activity, and then you have a car accident. That car accident, let's say, happens to be eight eight hundred thousand between all the the stuff involved, medical bills, pain pain and suffering, all of that. So let's say you only have three hundred on your insurance. So your insurance will respond and will exhaust that three hundred first. What happens after that? Because you were uh, driving on behalf of the organization, there is a potential that the church will be, will be brought into the table when it comes to insurance, and we will we'll pick up the excess of that. So the first three you covered, the last five, the church's insurance would respond. I, I mean, I don't understand. For that, I'm just I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure of the local laws. Can anybody respond to that? There's a liability limit. Okay. Yes. Yeah. As far as I know, I mean, a policy should have a limit uh, because that's what you pay for. Like I personally have uh, my my car limits are a hundred, three hundred, and I have an umbrella policy that I pay really cheap, but that picks up after my three hundred all the way to a million. And and I have a friend of mine who who tells me, Leander, the, the days we live in right now, it, that's not even enough, all the way to a million. You, I. And he, he said that I have, I, he has an umbrella policy all the way to three million because that's where he feels it's, it's safe nowadays. So it's pretty crazy. I personally, on mine, I have an umbrella policy for an extra million dollars. Yeah. And it's about $150 a year. That's what I pay too. It's very, it's very affordable. Uh, and let, I'll give you an example. Um, If you get in a car accident where you are at fault and you end up, let's say you hit a motor, motorcycle and the person driving that motorcycle was a breadwinner of a family, he was, let's say, an architect. How much an architect, architect makes a year? Let's say 100, 100 grand, just, just guess it. 100 grand times how many years that family will be without his income. So you times that, that's where the, 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 the attorney, the, the judge finds his number. So it's going to be a multi-million dollar claim that your insurance will have to pay. So if, if that is taken to court, I'm just giving you a scenario to your, to your personal, uh, personal lives. But anyways, all right, so moving forward, when it comes to managing drivers, uh, you have to manage the fatigue. So you're going on a long trip. You, you want to make sure that you have uh, the managers, uh, the drivers well rested, and you have a, a rotation uh, of drivers if possible. And distractions, cell phones, uh, you know, eating, drinking. There's a bunch of videos online for text and driving. If you're ever in a situation where you have to talk to young, young drivers, 
look look those videos up and, and use use them to to really scare the teenagers because I feel like the, the young adults nowadays and I include myself in, in that group uh, sometimes we feel like we we can do we can text and drive but we, really we can't it's really it's really a reality so maintenance maintenance of the vehicles to make sure that you have a, a good upkeep program of the vehicle and you maintain all the records uh, of the relevant documents uh, we have a form online for a pre and post trip inspection so if you go to our website adventistrisk.org we have a bunch of resources a bunch of forms that can help you with your ministry and one of them is the pre and post trip inspection very useful oh right there uh, it's pretty much checking the vehicle tire pressure fluid levels belt and hoses everything you go around the vehicle check marks uh, helps you if you don't know much about vehicles helps you to to stay on track on what to, to look for all right so inspections how many of you uh, over the last couple months, have you, have heard that someone came to you to the to your church to do an inspection? Can anybody re relate to that? You have somebody somebody coming to your church, a fire marshal. Okay, that that's good. That's that's recommended, but that's not what exactly what I'm referring to. We have partnered with a company called Verisk. Verisk is. Um, also known as ISO, which is the, the standard industry standard for uh, property evaluation and ins insurance rates. And they are coming to our churches and doing a property evaluation. Why is that important? It's important because we want to make sure that our, our buildings are properly insured. And we have, uh, and, and we have a good understanding of where we are from a property uh, insurance standpoint okay and that's what this is we want to make sure that we the ISO uh, uh, the ISO forms have recommendations so the church board will review outstanding recommendations not only the ISO if you have not received or seen an ISO form you can also do a self-inspection which follows the same pattern as the previous form but for the building you have all the questions right there. You just go I'll walk around the building and complete. I think I have a, a picture of that. I oh, know. Uh, let's see. Next slide. Yeah, right here. That's what that's what the self inspection looks like. You just walk walk around the building and you just check uh, just to make sure your building is in good condition. Now, um, so conduct at least one premises inspection. And report to local church board. Uh huh. You may not realize it's been done because sometimes they'll contact the pastor, contact the head. Correct. And they've met with the head deacon and gone to That's the right. church, and you might not even be aware of it. So yeah. Exactly. Now, who those ISO inspections happen? How do they happen? A person, a person comes to your location, to your property, 
and, and he, he goes, he or she goes inside the property and outside. How does, how does it happen? Do I call them? Do they come on their own? They oh, I see. Okay. Initially, between uh, myself and the conference, I have requested the conference a list of contact information. So the conference gave me uh, maybe the pastor's name or maybe the elder's name or if the, if the conference know, knew the safety officer's phone number and name, that's where I got that information from. And then, and then the company calls that person set up the appointment, and gets it done. So, you know, see, that's a good point. Uh, and sometimes that happens. When you get, you get the ISO report, or even any other report, and you may find yourself just like that, thinking, what, is that accurate? Should we use that number, or should we not use that number? So that's where you have to go back to your board, Analyze and maybe if you want to get a second opinion, that's not a problem. You should you should make sure that your building is accurately, uh, properly insured at a at a at a exact uh, and, and and fair value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, we, we, we've had a situation, situations where it, the property was underinsured and not enough money was paid out because we, it, was, it was a complicated situation, but between the insurance company and the insured, we just didn't do a, a good job in making sure the buildings are in proper uh, values, have, having the proper values in place. But that's where this report comes in very handy because the ISO is a, it's a very well-known, reputable company that gives us a very accurate idea of where our buildings should be. Uh, we also voted to have an audit checklist, which means we're trying to make our churches accountable by uh, as, answering the question if they have a... Uh, a, a safety officer if they have completed a self-inspection. That way we're trying to keep all of our churches accountable to keep up the safety of our buildings. So you should be, you should be seeing that maybe in the audit checklist uh, or maybe the auditor will ask you those questions. Alright, so you, if you see a no on the, on the evaluation, that means you have a potential problem. That's in regard in, in reference to the self-inspection form. All right, now it's the fun part. What's wrong with this picture? There you go. <laughs> All right, it's expired. Good. That was easy. So some protection elements at the church. Uh, you have fire extinguishers, sprinkler systems, smoke heat detectors, fire alarm systems, security systems, and lighting. Those are all protection, protection elements that we should be looking for uh, when, when, we, when we think of safety for our churches and schools.
Very good. That's the way it should be. Yeah, very good. Flammable storage. Now, what's wrong with this picture? Oh, I already gave it away. So this is what caused a lot of trips and falls. But that's where most of our liability claims come from. Un unleveled uh, sidewalks. Yeah, and that's a potential hazard. Yeah, if, if someone falls and gets hurt, that person can claim it's the Michigan Conference's fault or the Great Lakes Academy's fault for, for not fixing the, the sidewalk. So, yeah. So, life safety. Safe in, uh, safety in the sanctuary. So, exit doors unlocked. How many of you have churches that have stuff in front of the exit doors? I hope not many. But that's the case in some of our churches, and we need to, to stay away from, there, from, from that because in an emergency situation, think about hundreds of people running for their lives, trying to exit the building, and there is something blocking them from doing that. So that's, yes, sir. The exit signs? Hmm. The electrical box. Hmm. That's state law, but they still stack it. I go through this all the time. Very good. So yeah, proper lighting, having uh, the the exit signage, door hardware. Sometimes I have seen for whatever reason, doors swinging in when they should have been swinging out. So making sure your doors comply with that as well. Now posting the signage uh, is also recommended. Now what's wrong, what's wrong with this picture? Huh? Dark? Lights? I mean, I can I can see some light in there. No, I mean, there's probably two lights shining in. Oh, okay. Now it lighting. All right. I'm gonna say this can be both right and wrong, because if the exit is not to that side and this one doesn't have the the arrow, so that that could be right or that could be wrong, depending on. Where the, where the door is. Yeah, yeah. But those were good comments. Now, sometimes we get, not sometimes, many times we get the churches receive donations. And we have to be looking closely to those donations to make sure that we're not, just because it was donated, that we're not paying attention to conditions, to the condition of, of the donation. So we have to make sure, uh, especially on, on, in the mother's room, that you, you don't have those falling apart cribs. So those are good protections for, for the outlets. And in the mother's room, electrical outlets capped, the GFCI uh, near sinks, change tables, cribs, furnishing, chemicals, small objects. Those are things to look for in, in the mother's room. Now this is, this is big because we have had claims where the pastor would hold the mic that was wired 
So that caused the you know him to be elect elect uh, elect electrocuted. Yes, thank you. So do not use wired microphones. So yeah, that's that. And you think about it. I have seen and I remember seeing pa pastors doing that. You know, they just have the mics and then they get usually the mic is on a stand, right? And then the pastors get excited because they just had a baptism and they get excited and they grab the mic. And then at that point, that, that's, that's complicated. I don't know the science behind that or at what point you get electrocuted, but it's pretty dangerous. Yeah, and, and you can pretty much die. Yeah, so. Uh, so non-slip materials on, on, the, on the stairs because we, we've had claims of people falling uh, going up and down the stairs of the, uh, the baptism tank. Railings, overflow, uh, draining your baptism tank. We have had claim, drowning claims because no one drained the, the tank. Kids were playing uh, after services, and you know how kids are. They, they, they fell on the, on the tank, and they drowned. There was one kid who drowned. Uh, nobody was there, and, and unfortunately, we lost a life because we forgot to drain the tank. So, use of candles. Can we use candles? Can we not use candles in church or schools? My friend there says, no, 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 no. Right, and we do that. Uh, and it's, it's very sad. We, I remember... Like not so long ago, in my previous church, we did the the the, the candle ceremony. Like, na, na, la, na, na, let your candle shine. Na, 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 na. You know that music? Yeah. Na, 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 na. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. And we would hold a candle around the church, which was carpet. And I can still remember as if it was today. Um, I wasn't working for ARM at that time, so I couldn't really. I, I didn't have the mindset. But it was, it's so dangerous, especially because you have kids holding candles. Candles should be uh, just prohibited for, from, from use. Uh, and there, there are some alternatives. You have the, the battery-operated candles that look just as good as the real ones. And you can prevent a huge, a huge problem uh, and potentially save lives by not using those candles. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy. Any any comments or anyone want to share personal experience? So the Pathfinder candle lighting uh, can't do that anymore. In, our church, our church does it. in the in, inside the building. Oh yeah. Yeah. So the rec. Yeah. I get scared every time we do it. Maybe. Maybe we should have a fire extinguisher. Right we do. Yeah. That the recommendation, <laughs> if you're gonna have candles at church for a particular ceremony, it have to be a candelabras, uh, and 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 put and stay put. They have to. They cannot be moved. Now, if you if you ever here here's my recommendation. If you really want to use candles for a a ceremony. 
called the fire marshals, called them and said, should we do this? Can we do this? What would you recommend? And if so, uh, if we do this, just be on call, you know, just, just be ready to come in. <laughs> yeah, they're going to say no, most likely. But you, have a, you had a question. Um, I think it's someone can can help me, but I think it's the candle, the actual candle that can Has burn. It ever happened? Yeah, that's true. I don't know, honestly. I I'm sure. I'm uh huh. Uh, with a little common sense here. Have you ever tried to do it? Try to burn carpet sometime out in the fire. It don't burn very good. Okay. It'll melt a little bit, but it don't burn because it's full of fire and carpet. So would you rather take the chance and or or use it just just avoid the risk by using a battery operated? That's the point. We're just we're not. I'm not saying it's gonna burn. I'm just saying I'm saying. If you can avoid the risk, why take it? Why live? <laughs> yeah. Good. The conference doesn't have any stipulations on, on that? Those are uh, our codes. As far as I know, the, the conference may or may not have an internal policy on candles. You have to check with the conference. I know the local, the local laws, some local laws are very strict when it comes to use of candles in houses of worship. So my recommendation is calling your local fire marshal and asking them, are we allowed to use candles in, in, in houses of worship? ARM's recommendation is uh, if you can avoid it, don't use it because you can, you can prevent uh, someone from getting injured or potentially you know, build, burning your building to the ground, depending on the situation. Right. No. If you if you have if that's a good question. If you have one person holding a, a candle and you can if you have an, a supervisor with a fire extinguisher ready to help, out, I don't see a problem. I mean, you're gonna be right there. Catches on fire. Psh, get it. Get it. Get it over with. That's correct. The, the time that I, my, my church used, we did a circle around the entire church. It was a big church. And we did a, a, a very big circle. Every single person had a candle in their hands. And we were just doing, like, like you said, just, just lighting each other's uh, candle. Uh -huh. Kids are moving around. You yeah. Know? And I don't think there was major damage in that case, but uh, if it would be battery operated. Yeah. Exactly. Like you said. Yeah. The kids they run around. If if uh, if uh, uh, if some hair catches on fire, who is liable? Who is liable? Who 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 organized the activity? Who did? The church did. So if, if a kid 
catch, you know, kids' hair catches on fire, we are most likely liable for the damages of that. And what if, what if that fire actually becomes a permanent injury to that person? Uh, and there's a lot when it comes to liability and, and permanent injuries, when it, especially when it comes to the, um, cosmetics, like the uh, damaging the, the permanent looks of a person. That becomes a huge uh, liability claim. What's wrong with this picture? Yeah. But don't we do this all the time as a church? <laughs> Not even as a church. On a personal level, I can say, you know, I mean, I have put myself, and, I, and I'm, I'm guilty of that, some leftover paint in my furnace room. I'm guilty of that. Who, who, who haven't? Would, uh. So this is not, by law, we should have at least uh, three feet of clearance uh, radius around, around the, the furnace. So that's, that's the recommendation. What's wrong with this one? You got some... <laughs> You're laughing because it, it's going to be your church that looks like this, right? <laughs> so anyways, you, yeah, you have a lot of uh, metals here right near the electrical panels. So that should not be there. So let's see. So using signage for when you're cleaning, uh, cleaning the bathroom or cleaning the hallways, Signage can prevent a, a potential trip, uh, trip and or or, or uh, slips and falls. Claim. Are you ready? The great the great aim of education is not knowledge, but action. My my goal with this presentation for you is just to create a mindset for safety. Uh, a lot of this you will forget. I hope not, but. Statistics shows that not the absorption rate of a presentation is not very high. But here's something I want you to remember. Just think about safety in whatever capacity you are in. Whether you are a Sabbath school teacher or a safety officer or a teacher or anything you do. You walk into a room, think about safety. What, or you go to a place, think about safety and putting uh, the knowledge to action. So we have, uh, just want to show you a few more things we have. Let me see how many. Okay, so we, we talk about claims in a bit. We have this form called Accident Incident Report, which helps you to, I think we've talked about this, if you have an accident, you want to report or, or have some sort of documentation describing the accident. This is the form that you can use. This is available on our website. Uh, it's easy to fill out and keeps, keeps your incidents, your accidents re, uh, documented and it's very easy to, to, to fill out. Now what about filing a claim? We, we've talked about the, 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 the property side of, of things and how it works. An adjuster gets assigned, goes to your property, sends us a report, and we'll process the payment. But what about a liability claim? So filing a claim is very easy. You have to get 
the form. The form you can get online or you can get it through your conference. The, you can go to our website and get the forms online uh, for liability or for an injury. All the forms are available online. Yeah. What, the phone number? Uh, all right, so the phone number, the 24-7 hotline. I'm going to do an advertising voice. 888-951-4276, and you press 2 for the claims department. All right, so the uh, emergency planning. As a safety officer, as a safety person, you want to look at uh, the, the, the emergency planning, so active shooters, fire emergency, and what do you do in an emergency situation? So we have uh, the, the, our resources, we have uh, monthly resources, actually weekly resources that you can sign up for. And we had our, our safety Sabbath in March. Do you remember the safety Sabbath communications? Yes, we tried to do this as, as a, a, a beginning of a relationship with each local church to host an emergency drill at a, at a local church. What, what did that look like? We, we tried to do uh, an active shooter drill uh, on a church, which means educating our congregation as to how to respond to an active shooter situation. We are, we tend, I mean, if, if any, of our, any of us are found in an active shooter situation, we are most likely to be in shock and not know what to do. So the goal here is to start with baby steps, teaching and communicating and, and showing the con our, our churches and schools what to do in a situation such as fire or an active shooter situation. Uh, we, we provided enough, enough resources and we have enough resources available to show you how to implement an active shooter, uh, an active shooter situation. And not only that, but you can also invite your local police officers, your local police department, and they will be welcome. Most of them, from what I have seen so far, are more than willing to come to your church to do a training and to give you some guidance in, as to how, how to run a, an emergency, a fire emergency or an active shooter situation. And we, I have a video to show uh, the basics of, a, of a, an active, active shooter situation and what to, what to do. But there's a lot more to, to the video that we can research and, and implement. No, I, I agree that that could be something beneficial. Yeah. Where are you from? That happens every while. I can tell you that something is going to happen. That's Good. great, but it seems like that every church should have that. Okay. Well, I kept looking for the video that we were talking about because you never figure out how to do it. Which one's the? Well, any of them, the fire drill, you know, all of them. 
Yeah, that's that's good. Good. And there are a bunch of courses online. I personally did a course on Active Shooter. It was a it was a twenty five dollar course online called Alice A L I C E. You just look look up Alice Active Shooter Training, and it's it's amazing what you can learn uh, for only twenty five dollars. It gives you a lot of resources, videos on how to do what what's your initial response. Basically, it follows the concept of the video that, that I'm about to show you. So, FEMA, yes, I think I think FEMA has the the same video that I'm going to show you. So I, I I think I'm not sure, but so yeah, let me get so that's that's the video: the run, hide, and fight, surviving an active shooter. Yeah, that's the video, right? Yeah. The the course I, I gave you, the Alice, the Alice course breaks it down in details. And it's about it's a two, three hour, two, three hour course. Very good. I definitely recommend it. Uh, and you can actually uh, give it to your church to, to, to listen and to hear and to understand what to do. So so holding your uh, safety drill, you, you, we have uh, a lot of resources under safetysabbath.org. So go, coming back to your question when you, you asked about what resources are available so that we know what to do and, and where, how, how do we get there. So a lot, of, a lot of resources are available under this website that I recommend um, taking note of safetysabbath.org. So quickly, last, uh, last slides are the maintenance. The most frequent property claims received at ARM is water damage. So this is a preventable claim, preventable. The most common casualty claim received at ARM is, you guess. Hmm? False. Yeah, everyone agree? That's correct. Slips and fall, injuries. Yeah, that's the most uh, common. So working closely with whoever is responsible for the care and upkeep of your church and school. Uh, seasonal maintenance. There's different parts of the building that needs different care depending on the season that you're in. So having that also uh, makes a difference in, in the property aspect of, of your building. And we have forms also available on our website that helps you for each season to ask the right questions. So you don't have to know everything about buildings. You just use the, the available resources that will, will assist you in um, identifying the potential problems. And then things to avoid. This is an important slide, and this is the last one. Attempting to, uh, to place the blame on an individual. So let's say you personally get in a car accident. Don't give or take the blame of a car accident. I'll give you an example. One time 
this lady was uh, in a car accident. After the accident, she was in shock because of she didn't know much what was going on. Her brain was in shock and she kept saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It was, it's my, it, was, it was my fault, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. She was not at fault. But at the end, when they went to court, the, the guy, the other party, used that against her and, and he or her, whoever, that party won the case because the lady was apologizing and taking the blame for something that she didn't have the blame on. Very good. Thanks for sharing. So, uh, so things to avoid. Attempting to take the place of the administration in correct, corrective action. So for me, this comes down to working with your administration in whatever capacity or whatever situation that you have going on. If you see a questionable situation, call your conference. Let them know what's going on. This will create a, a backup on you, for you, and uh, the conference can be proactive and, and create and, 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 and uh, pursue whatever action that needs to be take place. Release of information of any unauthorized parties. So things to avoid. Questions or comments? Thank you so much, you guys, for your time. Um, I hope this was beneficial or helpful to you. So again, the, the, the goal is to create a mindset of safety when we get to our churches and schools. And now if you have any questions, we can... I do, I do have... Uh... Let me get that. So I have my business card right here. If any of you need, I'm gonna walk around. You can send me an email, I can send you the presentation. Uh... Oh, sorry. All right, let me get you one more. I got more here. Bye. So any other comments or, or comments, personal experience that you want to share with the group? I'll leave some more on the table uh, if anybody else needs a card. You take one? Yeah? I was uh. told that you guys don't insure for um, armed, armed people in the church. Right, so that we we did a presentation on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, it was only about uh, armed security at, at church. So I don't want for for that. Yeah, our policy right now excludes firearms so and and honestly across the insurance industry it's not very many companies out there in fact I don't know of any personally at this moment that provides both uh, the general liability aspect with armed security what you have sometimes is a specific company that does specific insurance for armed security that we have that it would be a separate policy just for armed security. Everything under, under the policy? Yeah. The, now, the, the, the question there is about the insurance limits. Because sometimes the, the insurance limits are, are, 
even though the general liability may say a million dollars or two to three million, they have a sublimit of a hundred, two hundred thousand, depending on what coverage. You can count on me. Okay. You can you can send me whatever questions you have, um, and I can I can I can compare the policies for you. I can show you what's good on on this outside policy, and I promise to be as honest as I can and transparent, showing you what's good and what's bad, and what's good and what's bad on our policy in, in comparison. Yeah. It's hard for somebody who doesn't do insurance on a regular basis. There's a lot, even myself, I've been doing this job for three years, and, and when I have to analyze policies like this, and I've done it a few times, I encounter things new and, and the new terminology. It's just the, the ongoing changing industry. Who insures us? We do. We underwrite the policies uh, for... Yeah, we, we underwrite, we are an insurance company that we underwrite the policies for general liability and property and auto insurance. There is something called reinsurance. Reinsurance is the insurance for the insurance company. So let's say, I don't want to get too technical, but up to a million dollars, we pay out of pocket. Anything beyond a million, comes from reinsurance. So, and, and that's, the, that's the way we manage to, to, to operate the business of, of insurance. So we have coverage, the church have coverage all the way to $100 million. Yes, yes. So the, the, the conferences and the union, they pay for the excess policies. Just like you and I have umbrella policies, uh, the church have what we call the excess policies. Yeah, the master policy that covers beyond that first layer of one million all the way to a hundred million. Any other questions, comments? Yeah, I'm sorry, I had a question, my bad. What happens in most cases is before we actually get to a lawsuit, the attorneys get involved, the, the, the attorney from, from the other party, and they settle. Well, Right, right. So before, before a claim gets to, to become a lawsuit, there's a settlement in place. So a lot of claims that could potentially be a lawsuit, they get settled before it becomes a lawsuit. So I don't know how many claims turn into lawsuits. I don't know that answer. Uh, but I do know that our attorneys work really hard not to become a lawsuit and be taken to jury because that, it's, it's a gamble. Like, we never know what to expect. It can go up to the, depending on the claim, it can go up to the millions if the jury makes a decision in, in whatever direction. So the attorneys settle the, try to settle the claim before it's taken into a judge. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.